Hey, what's good, ladies and gentlemen? It is your man, B-Von, here with We Create Music TV. And today, we got an amazing guest tonight for our interview segment. We have DJ, music producer, label owner, businessman, author, speaker, man. Welcome to the show, DJ Iceman. DJ Ice Man. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? What's good, man? How are you? What's going on? Yeah, I'm good, I'm brother. good, man. You know, I can't complain. You know, nice uh, sunny day out here in Washington. Nice, cool, and breezy. And I'm just sitting back and uh, enjoying the vibes. Yeah, that's what's up. That's what's up. Yeah, I'm down here in, of course, Atlanta, where I think I was telling you before we got started, we uh, lost AC. But, you know, <laughs> so it's like 90 degrees in in the house and then in my studio space it's probably like a hundred degrees in here but hey it's man. all good i'm ex i'm excited to have you yeah on. decided i'm, to I'm happy to be here yeah man i'm excited to learn more about you and what you do and your affiliations which we'll talk about here in just a moment and hopefully we'll share some interesting stories uh as we continue this conversation so cool, cool. let's just kick it off so how do you even get started in this music industry just walk us through your musical journey Oh, man, it started many, many moons ago. You know, I'm, I would say I'm dating myself, but the gray hair already does it. Um, hey, hey, don't worry about it. I got it, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I actually started, you know, of course, as a DJ when I was nine. My uncle, A.D., who is my second youngest uncle, was a DJ in Brooklyn. And for I've always loved music. I was always into it. My grandfather was a jazz musician. You know, he played uh, trumpet. I actually played trumpet until junior high school. But uh, I was always bugging my uncle to teach me how to DJ. And mind you, this is, you know, early 80s. Hip hop is just, you know, really coming into its own. So he was still primarily, he was playing a little hip hop, but, you know, more disco type stuff. But I was bugging him and bugging him and bugging him. Uh, it went on for about two years. And then, on my ninth birthday, May 7th, 1982, he actually gave me his old DJ set because he mm. bought a new one. So he gave me his old DJ set, a couple of records. And mind you, this wasn't the uh, traditional hip hop DJ set. It was some old uh, belt drive foreign turntables. Oh. With, picker with pickering needles and a Yuri rotary mixer. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> this is how far back it goes. Yeah, now see, uh, look, yeah, I, I'm see, I know, you know, what I'm saying like I know because <laughs> <laughs> we both got them gray hairs right here. You know, I know. Yeah, what, yeah most people don't know know even what that is. They're like turntables, like what real <laughs> ones? Oh man. Yeah, yeah. This is you know before the Technique twelve hundreds, before direct drive, before faders had for mixes had cross faders. Everything was all dials mm. and knobs. So, and I learned how to mix on that. And then, you know, of course, as the years go by, you know, I started getting more gear and, you know, started actually doing a hip hop thing because my uncle used to take me to, you know, we traveled Brooklyn to the Bronx to go to the park jams, you know, to go see Cold Crush or Flash or we go out to Queens to see Infinity System or the Disco Twins or, you know, he throw his yeah. own jams. Oh. So I don't even mean to interrupt you, but that must have been... <laughs> amazing right there i mean that's i mean that's literally like the birthplace of hip-hop you know what i'm saying like yes that that must have been just amazing to be around and to to witness just all of that just take place 
So I didn't mean to interrupt. You know, look, Sorry, but yeah. Yeah. No, no. Look, looking back on it, you know, it was amazing times. You know, I, I literally saw a lot of history. But of course, at the time when you're doing it, especially as young as I was, you know, hey, I'm just a kid following his uncle around, you know, mm-hmm. listening to all this, not really knowing what's going on. But like, you know, like I said, as I got older, I was like, wow, I really, I really saw some stuff. This is, this is crazy. <laughs> you know, like um, I got to go to the Fresh Fest with my uncle. He actually took me to uh, the Rocksteady Battle at Lincoln Center. I was sitting on his shoulders watching the Rocksteady Battle, you know, in 81. So, yeah, so I actually, you know, got to see a lot. And, you know, like I got old, as I got older, you know, I got into, you know, the hip-hop DJing. So, you know, I was saving up and, you know, I got my first little Gemini mixer with a crossfader. And, oh, it wasn't until eighth or ninth grade till I actually got some techniques and, Mm-hmm. You know, just just went off from there, and you know, I I I feel blessed because I actually grew with hip hop. All the phases hip hop went through, I went through those same phases. So, you know, I, I, as far as DJing, I was a mixtape DJ. You know, I wanted to be the next Ron G, the next Kid Capri, and then mm-hmm. you know, the nineties came about, and I wanted to be the next Steve D or the next Rock Raider with the battles, and you know, watching Qbert and stuff like that. So. I mean, coming up, you know, when I came up and and where I came up, you know, it was it was a wonderful, wonderful time to to be in. So, you know, I was always blessed from that. So going further on, you know, um, you know, going to high school, you know, I was still DJing part time, doing the little parties. I used to uh, cut hair for records and, you know, spend my little summer youth check buying records, going to the record store and stuff like that. Um, I was one of those kids who I was, I didn't like school, but I was very good in school. You know, I just wanted to do what I had to do and get it over with, (laughs) you know? So I actually graduated high school at 16. Um, I went to college on a literary scholarship. Yes, that's dope. You know, I went to, uh, NYU on a literary, on a, on a literary scholarship, history scholarship. So Mm. I got an associate in African-American studies from NYU studied uh my main my main uh instruct my main professor was uh leonard jeffries mm-hmm. um and then right after college um it, it was it was kind of a weird time for me because i was one of those dudes like i said i never really liked school but i did it and I, you know i had one foot in school one foot in the streets you know and um right after college i i joined the military just to get out of Brooklyn. Mm. A lot of stuff going down, you know, and, you know, and I didn't mention, but I was, you know, in and out of foster care and then I group homes, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I, I had, I had, you know, ties with some of my family, but a lot of them, you know, I just really lost, you know, lost touch with a lot of them. So, you know, after college, I joined the Navy. I did that for a few years, you know, and, and just, you know, just je- life in general, you know, life, the whole yeah. Time, the, yeah. No, I was I was still DJing. So you know, I went from the Navy. I did. Um, um, that was a pretty crazy career too, because I did. I I was a master at arms, which is basically a shipboard police and security in the Navy. Um, I actually took the New York City police exam, passed it. Um, but so there was an incident that went down in Brooklyn where somebody was out shooting. It was a standoff, and a couple of cops got shot. And I was like, okay, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's dangerous field too. 
Yeah, I I took my uh, my bonus money for getting out, and I went to bodyguard school actually. Um, oh. so I I I did that. I was a private bodyguard for a while. Did private security. Um, I did corrections. I uh, went from corrections. Um, uh, what do I have to correct? I went from corrections to working an oil rig. Yeah, I went from New York to uh, I was a, I was a nomad. So I went from New York mm-hmm. to boot camp in Orlando. I ended up my Navy career in Great Lakes, Illinois. I have family that lived in Roswell, New Mexico. So I was off and on there for like 10, 15 years. Wow. So I did, you know, corrections in New Mexico. I worked on an oil rig. I uh, I was a sous chef. So I <laughs> yeah, man. My, 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 my two main jobs were either cooking or security, but a mm. few stops in between. I worked at a bus plant. Did, I did all kinds of stuff. Look. But, you know, the whole time I was still DJing. You know, and it was just a part-time thing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a big, a big turn came um, right after. Well, while I was doing corrections, my cousin came down to the town I was staying in for an MMA fight. He was a fighter, and he asked me if I wanted to go to the show with him. I'm like, hey, you know, I, I'll go with you. you know, I, you know, because I was a big fan of UFC and stuff like that. And I was never really like a, a trained fighter. I just had, you know, my little bit of military training. You know. Uh, what I did for bodyguard school, some Krav Maga stuff, and just basically street fighting, you know, scrapping. So I'm at the show. I was cornering my cousin, and a friend of mine asked me, and he was a DJ buddy of mine, and he ran a, a dojo, and he asked me, hey, do you want to do this? And I was like, yeah, I don't I don't fight. I, I don't do this. You know, he was like, hey, listen, you know, you get to run in here. You get to beat this guy up. You don't have to worry <laughs> about going to jail. And you get paid for it. I was hey, like, it's a win-win. Why not? You know? I always found that, you know, in life, you know, you, you always kick yourself over the stuff that you don't try. Mm. You know, always, always try something, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? So, you know, I ran and got a mouthpiece and got some gear and I got in that cage and that cage door shut. And I was like, okay, this shit is for real. <laughs> you know, you know, I thought I was nice. You know, a little white dude, you know, pudgy white dude. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to beat this dude down, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm the project champ. I got the supreme knuckle game. And I went in there, I got my ass whipped. <laughs> Dude had me up against the cage because, you know, it, it was a foreign environment, you know. It, right, it right. From, from, a, from a project hallway. But I did well enough for uh, my trainer. He's like, listen, you know, we, we can polish you up, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Come down to Arizona, train with me for six six months. We'll get you another fight. If you like it, keep going. If not, walk away, no hard feelings. So I was like, you know, I ain't got nothing to lose. So I went and trained in Arizona. And from that, I wound up having a five-year professional MMA career. Wow. So I did that for That's... five years. I won four war titles. I actually have a 13-8 MMA record, a 2-1 boxing record, and a 3-1 and kickboxing record. All right, so look, so y'all already know, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> if, if you already know. He ain't playing. He from the hood, too? No, I'm saying. <laughs> really? and, and, and look, you know what's so crazy? So I don't tell a lot of people this, but you know, my my uh, well, I'll say my nephew, but it's really my wife's nephew. So it kind of makes it my nephew, like nephew-in-law, mm-hmm. is is an MMA fighter, right? And so he's actually getting. It is so funny. He's actually getting ready to fight Jake Paul, which is. Is it Jake Paul? Wow. Paul Logan? Jake Paul? Yeah, Jake Paul. What? Uh, nice. Ty- yeah, yeah, Tyron Woodley. 
But uh Oh wow, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my wife's my wife's uh nephew. Like I said, I don't tell a lot of people that, but yeah. Oh my gosh, bro. Like I, I remember when he first not to tell all this my type of stuff, but I remember when he first got started, even before he was in UFC, even before he got the strike force, he had just really got into MMA and went to uh, kind of like the same thing. Went to train for a whole bunch of months and got into strike force and then eventually got, in, eventually got into UFC and became a bunch of yeah. UFC champion type stuff. But yo, man, that is so... Yeah. I, I mean, how many people you going to talk to was like, yeah, yeah, I make beats, but I also MMA fighter too. <laughs> like, what? So, now, here's where it swings back to music because, like I said, for the whole time I was still, you know, DJing part-time. So mm-hmm. after my fights, if I wasn't too banged up or anything, or if I didn't fight that night, I would actually wind up DJing a lot of the fight after parties. <laughs> You'd be like, you know, I, yeah, I can barely move, know, but I've been doing it. Yeah, they're like, hey, Ice, Ice can DJ, so I wound up doing that. So um, I had to go back to New Mexico to handle a legal situation. So when I got back to Arizona, uh, my trainer, who was originally from Tacoma, Washington, wound up going back to Tacoma. So I was like, okay, what do I do now? You know, so I stayed in Arizona for a little bit. It's actually where I met my wife. And um, he calls me up. He's like, hey, listen, I'm, I have a school down here that I'm about ready to open up and I want you to help me come down and, you know, and, and help run it. So I came out to Washington and, you know, I had my last few fights because I was kind of getting on in age. Mind you, I'm doing all this and I had my first fight. All right. Mind you, my first fight was a professional fight. I got paid. My first fight was at the age of 31. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah. I, I basically started my career when most guys retire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So, you know, I, I went and I had my last few fights. I actually, um, one of the highlights of my career was I actually got to fight on the same part as Demetrius Johnson. Wow. So that, that was pretty cool. And, um, yeah, so, uh, you know, I came down here, I helped run the school. Then the economy took a bad turn. You know, the school wound up going, this is like 2008, 2009, the school wound up going under. So I was like, well, you know, I still have this DJ skill set, so let me see if I can put that to use. And so instead of going straight out DJing like I was supposed to do, I wound up, since I, had, since I still had a security background, I wound up bouncing at a lot of clubs. And once I got established at the clubs I was bouncing at, you know, they get rid of DJs, you know, back and forth. I'm like, hey, I, I DJ too. So that's how I wound up getting into the scene from bouncer to DJ. So it was around this time that I actually started taking the business of DJing seriously because now I'm starting to really earn money at this. You know, this is right. you know not little twenty dollar mixtape money here and there. You know, I'm actually starting to. Um, actually earn a little money. So I started, you know, learning about marketing and branding and started, you know, trying to get my stuff out. I started a YouTube channel and, you know, started getting on Twitter and Instagram and really hitting the scene out here hard. And, you know, I started getting a couple of good looks and blog write-ups and stuff, and it just went on from there. So fast forward to 2017, I really started getting... I wouldn't say disillusioned, but disappointed with the industry, with the business side of DJing, you know, because at this point, streaming was, you know, starting to hit hard and the role of the DJ was really starting to get undermined. You know, when you have people coming up telling you, well, you know, I don't really need to pay you $700 to DJ for the night. I can just get an iPod 
you know, it started. Right. It started, it started wearing on me after a while. You know, I, I got tired of, you know, uh, people undervaluing what it was that a DJ does. Mm. So, you know, I, I just stepped back from, from DJ, from the business of DJ, you know, I still have a little setup that I, that I use every now and then, but as far as business wise, I just, you know, basically retired from DJing. But upon retiring, being a creative person, I had to do so. I had to find something to do because mm -hmm. if not, I would drive my wife nuts. <laughs> so, so a friend of mine was like, you know, hey, why don't you start making beats? Now, you know, knowing my upbringing and background, I'm hip hop to the core. I did not want to jump into something just to jump into it and disrespect mm -hmm. the crap. You know, like I rhyme a little bit, but I don't call myself an MC. You right. know what I'm saying? I, you know, I b-boyed and stuff like that. So I just didn't want to get into it. And basically, I just really didn't think I would be good enough to do it. Mm. You know, because I grew up on the premieres and the Pete Rocks and the Lost Professors and the Yo, me too. and the Battle Cats. And you know what I'm saying? Like, I just never really thought I was good enough. But my homeboy was like, listen, you know what I'm saying? Just get in there. I believe in you. I think you can do it. You know, I was like, once again, what do I have to lose? You know? So, you know, I, I bought me a machine and, you know, got me hey. set up and just and just really started, you know, getting in, into the whole beat making thing. And, right. you know, ca carried over to all the business stuff. And, you know, and here I am now. And, you know, I've, I've been granted so many great opportunities four years in, mm -hmm. you know, which is crazy because a lot of producers, they don't even they don't even establish their own sound four years in you know it's still i'm still looking for my for my sound but i um i was i'm just happy and i was blessed to be afforded so many great opportunities to 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 do what i do you know and and along the way you know as far as djing you know going from dj to producer i wound up you know since since i started learning so much about uh marketing and branding and promo i wound up opening a little promo company you know and I started doing promo for other artists, you know, nothing really big. Just a couple of, um, uh, you know, uh, website and blog promos. I learned how to do, you know, uh, Google ads and Facebook ads and social media marketing, you know, um, you know, being a DJ, I learned how to do my own, you know, mixtape covers. So I started doing Photoshop. I started doing intros on Sony Vegas and, you know, just doing all around promo stuff. I started, you know, writing, you know, doing little, you know, uh, guest spots on blogs to the point where I started being a, a, a full-time contributor to a lot of, you know, smaller blogs and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. it just snowballed, you know, the whole business thing just snowballed and now I can just put it all together and, you know, here I am. <laughs> wow. Wow. See, those are the things I love to hear. That's, that is one hell of a journey, man. Oh my goodness. Oh man. And there's a lot in there. There's there's a lot in there to to even unpack, right? You know, just there, there really is. <laughs> yeah, just just from growing up in that in that era, and seeing the birth of hip hop, and seeing just how it evolved and escalated, and to kind of to where it is now, right? So you've seen, you've seen the whole gamut, uh, kind of like I, I have. I mean, I was never in the the mix of of hip hop as you were, right? And so I mean, I was in Virginia at the time. You know, growing up, being in Virginia, small town in VA. And but, you know, you heard all of these different things. I remember, you know, you know, things like Rap City, even Rap City was like yeah. 
back in the day, right? Even before, you know, where we had just, you know, underground tapes, people selling, you know, tapes out of the actual real tapes, people out of their yeah. car. Real and, tapes. you know, that's how you got a chance yeah. to listen to it. And, you know, yeah. You, you had a lot of, you had a lot of good history down in VA too, though. You had mm -hmm. Skills and you had, you know, Timberland and mm -hmm. Pharrell and, you know, that, that whole basement movement down there. So, mm -hmm. you know. A lot, yeah. a lot of people, you know, they, they don't they don't really give VA the props that it deserves. You know, mm -hmm. a, a, lot, a lot of cats move from New York to go down to VA. That's what I was about to say. That's, ex that's exactly what I was about to say. So, you know, I was about to say the same thing. A lot of them move from New York to, to VA, you know, yeah. and that's kind of how I met. I'm, well, I've met Teddy Riley. I did some stuff for Teddy Riley, you know, a while ago uh, with his uh, Essence. We're getting ready for the Essence Festival. But... Uh, that's how I, that's how I met his uh, chief engineer was in, was in VA and I got yeah. a chance to do some work with him and I got a chance to kind of sit under him. Um, his name is George Mayers, but they call him junior. Uh, and I got a chance to kind of sit under him and kind of just learn, you know, the art of mixing and kind of what he does. And, uh, but yeah, that was, that was like, I'm, I'm telling all my stuff, but yeah, that was, that was dope. <laughs> but no, but like, like I was saying, there's, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to, to unpack in there, right? Because not only were you doing multiple things, right? Multiple jobs, being a sous chef, working on the oil rig, you know, still and still throughout that you were consistent with being a DJ, whether it was part time or not. Right. And so I, I think that that even speaks to itself is that even though life kind of throws things at you and they trust me, it will throw some stuff at you. Oh, yeah. You you still kind of maintain, OK, here's what my true purpose is. Here's what my vision is. I'm going I'm to go forth and do with that. But there was one thing that you said that I gotta I gotta point out. You said when your friend came to you and was like, "Hey, you should be a producer." You was like, "Well, wait a minute, right? I don't know if I'm gonna be any good, and I don't want to disrespect the craft of producers because you knew you seen producers as you were growing up, yeah. and you're like, "Wait a minute, I, I take this seriously." Now, I, mm, mm, I'm going to open up some stuff. <laughs> I'm open up some stuff. DJ Iceman, I'm up. I don't know if that's the same way it is today. I think people just haphazardly, oh, mm. are, are they making some money over here? Cool, I'm just going to jump in. Regardless of little skills or care for the craft. But yeah, that's... Yeah, and, you know, uh, uh, it's it's like that with a lot of kids. And then sooner or later, they, they grow into, you know what I'm saying, the love of the craft. My whole thing, my whole life was, you know what I'm saying, hip-hop wasn't just something that, you know, you put on in the morning, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? It's, it's what I lived every day, you know what I'm saying? I, you know, whether it was the music I listened to, the people I hung around, the way I spoke, the way I walked, talked, dressed, ate, you know what I'm saying? So, so it was always, you know, in me. So no matter what I was doing, I, I was always hip-hop, you know what I'm saying? If I was a chef, you know what I'm saying? I'm beatboxing them, you know, I'm chefing some food up, you know, if, if I'm, you know, protecting somebody, you know, you know, everything I did was hip hop, you know, and everything, you know, you had to take seriously, you know, if, if you wanted to be considered, you know, good, you know, when, when, you know, I'm going to get on a few of these, like, you know, old man rants, you know, during, during this thing, so don't mind me, but, you know, when I was, you know, when I was coming up, you know what I'm saying, like being called whack, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't an insult. It was something, you know, somebody would say, oh, you're whack. You know what I'm saying? That just meant, listen, there's a certain level. You haven't reached that level. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 
if 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 you were sensitive, then yeah, you would take it as an insult. If you wasn't, you'd be like, okay, well, I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna practice until I'm not whack anymore, and I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna burn you. You know, and you go right. you practice and you get better. And even if you didn't, you know, say burn the dude, hey, you got that respect for you know, what I'm saying doing what you had to do and come back. Mm-hmm. You know, if if it, it's the same with b boy, do a move until you until you learn it. Same thing with That's DJ. Right. You know, what I'm saying if it's mixing or scratching, you know, what I'm saying. You have to take it seriously if you want to be good at it. And you always you always wanted that respect. Not necessarily from the older cats, but from your peers and those peers. above you. Yeah. You know no matter no matter what I was doing, you know what I'm saying? I wanted the people who I thought was dope to think I was dope as well. Mm-hmm. And that was my goal. That's what I worked for. You know what I'm saying? So, you know what I'm saying? If if I was DJing, if I was doing mixtapes, I want to kick the pre who I thought I was dope. To be able to look, listen to me and say, "Oh man, he, he's kind of dope," you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. To me, that meant everything, you know what I'm saying? And it was like it's like that with the producing, you know. When I started producing, I was 44 years old, so mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm you know I'm a realist. I had no preconceived notions about what was going to happen during this producing thing, you know. Right. I did. I never. I never came into this with the intention of oh, I'm going to blow up and I'm going to be large and I'm going to be the next premiere. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm doing this because I have nothing else to do. I want to get good at it. And if something great comes along out of it, then wonderful. But if not, you know what I'm saying? This is a way for me to relax, to calm my demons, to, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. to, you know, to, to, fill a, to fill a void and to still be able to create and give back to this culture that has given so much to me. Hey, I like that's that. What it is, you know, you know, I didn't want to come in here and, you know, uh, uh, do this for a quick, but this is why I, you know, and for for I don't want to offend any, anybody, but this is why I don't I don't do trap beats. This is why I don't do light beats. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I stick to what I know. I do boom bap, and it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? And th- that's basically the whole gist of it. I I just didn't want to, you know, disrespect the craft by just coming in here haphazardly and just you know throwing something down for a quick buck. Right. Well, so I can tell you. I learned, you know, if, if, nah, if you follow a trend, if you follow a trend, you're going to wind up being because yeah. then Ooh. you're on this trend, and then what happens when the trend is over? Ooh. You're over as well. You, you have to reinvent yourself. Mm. Just be, just be your true self from the jump, and then you're good. Like DJ, um, a famous saying by DJ Scratch: You don't have to be current if you're classic. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> You don't have to be current <laughs> if you classic. Yes. That one, if you follow trends, you're going to be, oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm about to write that down. If you follow trends, you will be one. <laughs> like, dang. Yes. And, and, I mean, and that's kind of the, I mean, like I have, I have a, a love-hate relationship with hip hop. So that's just because I'm, I'm what people will call kind of maybe, like you, you know, I'm a quote unquote, you're an old head, right? Like I grew up listening to the same people you grew up listening to. I remember when Run DMC came out. I mean, I remember when they came out as an actual yeah. group, you know what I'm saying? Like I rem, yes, I remember when Curtis Blow first got his video on MT. Like I remember like, oh, look at this. Like, yeah, like I, so, so when you say you live and breathe, everything you did was, was hip hop. I don't know. Most people don't understand what that, what that means. It, it's 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 a culture. It's a, it's not just I just oh I'm just I just rap. 
you know, and I'm just here to get bread. Yeah. Like it's a it's a lifestyle. It's a culture. It's it's a movement. It's you know, and you started speaking on, you know, the major elements of of hip hop, you know, graffiti, DJing, b-boying, you know, like and people don't kind of know even what those things are. That's why I always tell people, go back and study your history. Go back and study the, the things that came before so that you'll know why you're really doing what you're doing. And you can learn from, you know, those producers, you know, the Battle Cats, the, the DJ Premiers, um, you know, the Ninth Wonders and all them. Like, go back and, and, and learn from, from the greats because you can always take something from them and apply it to what you're doing today. That way you don't become a... That way you don't become a trend and that way yeah. <laughs> yeah. that way yeah, you, exactly yeah. yeah i mean but it's true though like you don't have to worry about being current if you're classic like you don't have to worry about it because people are always going to come back to you and be like yo i need some tracks like let's do it like i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna tell you who i was super surprised about and manny fresh like manny fresh oh. Manny, Manny has been fresh. Doing. Manny, look, look. So, and then I'll move on to the next question. <laughs> look, so, so I was talking to a, a, a friend of mine, and we were talking about uh, Lil Wayne's uh, The Funeral, the album he came out with, Funeral, right? Mm -hmm. And so, I think that's the name of the album, Funeral. And so, on that album, he has a song called Mahogany, which is like my favorite song on that entire album. And so as we were talking, I was like, yo, that's my favorite song in the top. He was like, yeah, you know, Manny Fresh produced that. I was like, what? Like, wait a minute. He was like, yeah, that don't sound like a Manny Fresh beat, does it? I was like, no, it does not. Right? Because we know what Manny Fresh is, is, is known for. We yeah. have the sound that he that he built. And when I heard that, I was like, Manny Fresh. I was like, I don't believe him. I had to go look it up. Sure was, Manny Fresh. And yep. it goes back to what you said. If you are classic, you don't have to worry about being current. Manny Fresh is still cranking out hits today that people may not know as Manny Fresh, but trust me, it's, yeah, I was, I was yeah. super impressed with that. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, it's always one of those things where it's like, you know, you, you can listen to somebody and, you know, being, being a quote unquote old head, you know, there are people out there who still, you know, well, hip hop is dead and this, that, and the third. And mm -hmm. I really refuse to believe that mm -hmm. because if you're a real hip hop head, you know how to dig and you know how to find what you want to hear. That's right. Because right? it's out there, especially nowadays with all the streaming and all the, all the, all the, you know, the YouTube and all the outlets out there. You know what I'm saying? If you're a real hip hop head, you know where to find real hip hop, you know? And it's not just the older cats. You know what I'm saying? You got a lot of young cats out here. You know, you have the Joey Badasses and you have the Kendricks and you have the Afros, you know what I'm saying, who are really out here putting out some real, you know what I'm saying, stuff that, that you love That's and enjoy. True. You know what I'm saying? You just have to go out and get it. The That's whole true. thing was growing up, we were so used to having a young TV raps in the, in the mm -hmm. rap city yet. And, you know, uh, having all these mom and pop stations that would play hip hop during the day or, or late at night. And the big yeah. thing is, you know, when when the Media Consolidation Act of 96 came through and and for those of y'all who don't know what that was, uh, let me break it down real quick. At one time, you know, a radio station can have or a radio outlet can have a bunch of different stations in, a, in, 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 in any given market, any given city. So, you know, like a clear channel, they can have, you know. Uh, 18 different, you know, uh, radio stations doing different genres or whatever. And it's usually the smaller stations that, you know, took up a lot of these slots. 
So, you know, but they, they can only have a certain amount. So the Media Consolidation Act came through and said, okay, we're going to take off the limits. So now these big companies started buying up all these little mom and pop stations and all these smaller stations in these large markets. So now everything became uniform once these big companies started buying everything up. Sure that's, did. Why, that's why you hear the same. That's why you hear the same 20 songs on the radio now every day, because all these stations work from the same playlist because they're all right. under the same company. All right. But what that did is that shut out a lot of local artists and a local mm-hmm. a lot of local outlets that would normally get, you know, play on the radio. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I say if hip hop is dead, the media consolidation that killed it. But <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean I mean you're right. It it really it really did do a number on the music industry from that perspective. Because I remember you couldn't hear certain music unless you were yeah. in that particular area. Like I never heard and and uh, honestly, I never heard of Lil Wayne or Juvenile or Manny Fresh or Baby or Master P or and I'll start naming some other people uh uh ESG uh MC Nero until I moved to the south when I was stationed in uh Louisiana when I was in the army. I heard all I'm like, "Yo, wait a minute." What's this? I never heard of that. And all brand different types of of music. You didn't hear West Coast music unless you were really out in that area. You didn't hear. Now with that consolidation act, it's you're right because they play the same songs all the time. Yep. Which is why I listen to radio. Yeah, it was the same way with me. You know what I'm saying? Being in New York, and I I, I love my hometown. I love my city, but. You know, it's a well-known fact, and I'll say, you know what I'm saying, when it comes to hip-hop, New Yorkers are freaking snobs. We, You know, for the longest time, I'm serious, for the longest time, it was like, if it's not from New York, we're not even fucking with it. And that was a really bad attitude to take, because, like, I was late on stuff like Two Live Crew. Mm. I did not know how dope Mr. Mix was as a DJ until I Mm -hmm. actually heard it. I didn't hear E-40 or Too Short or something if it wasn't for your own TV raps. You know what I'm saying? Right. And then when I and then when I joined the Navy and went to boot camp, you know what I'm saying? I started hearing all kinds of stuff. You know, See? ghetto boys, street street military yeah. out of Texas. You know what I'm saying? Uh, um, Esham out of Detroit. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I started hearing all this stuff. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, and you know, like I said, if you're a real hip hop fan, you know how to dig and find stuff. I mean, and oh, yeah. I I you know, I don't want to be one of those old heads that like to glorify. You know what I'm saying? Our time because we had whack mainstream stuff. We did. I admit it. We did. So it's like you know, for every, for every, you know, people, for every, you know, for every hammer you heard on the radio, you know what I'm saying? There was a coochie rap that you didn't hear. You know, mm-hmm. and then even when they played some of our our favorite joints, you know, even when they played like Big Daddy Kane on the radio, coochie rap hey. on the radio, you know, you know, those were like the cuts that were made for the radio. Really right. had to get the album and dig and get those album cuts that was really like banging in the club or banging. Yeah, in the you got that right. But a lot of a lot of times the stuff you heard on TV wasn't banging in the streets. Stuff you heard, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's the commercialized stuff. The club like that, yeah. So mm-hmm. you know, it was the same thing, and it's the same thing now. You know what I'm saying? It's just same thing. Of, yeah. You know what I'm saying? You really have to dig deep to find, you know what I'm saying, all the good stuff, and it's out there. You know, you just have to. 
you know, skimming past all the all the all the BS. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I would say true hip hop is is not there. You're right. You got to go dig for it. You know, you got to really know what you you got to really know what you're looking for. Yeah. And then and then another old man rant rant coming up. You have all these quote unquote purists, you know, all these old heads, you know, that want to talk about pure hip hop, but then don't even know about the whole culture. You're just, speaking, yeah. you're just speaking on the music, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I, I support the real, but you couldn't name the top three graph writers in your city. You know what I'm saying? You couldn't tell, you couldn't tell anybody who won the last R16 b-boy competition. You don't know who's, who's this year's D, DMC DJ champion is, but you're all for the culture. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And for that, get them. Down to take several. Get them. <laughs> get them. You know what I'm saying? If you, if you're going to be about the culture, then be about the whole culture. Yeah, you know be I'm about saying? the Chuck, whole culture. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Chuck D wasn't just talking about, you know what I'm saying, uh, all the rappers. You know what I'm saying? He supported mm-hmm. the B-Boys. He supported, he supported the DJs. KRS, you know, and a lot of stuff today is so specialized that when somebody breaks off and do something else, all of a sudden it's shocking. Oh, oh Snoop is DJing now. You know what I'm saying? And the DJs get mad. Not not realizing that back in the days you had to multitask. If you wanted to show that you was truly embedded in, into this culture, you did more than one thing. And it showed with a lot of people. KRS was a graph writer. Uh Fat Joe was a graph writer. Uh DJ K Slay was a graph writer. You know, so a lot of people so so, so do a me a favor. Know that, a lot of people don't know that Big Daddy King started as a DJ. Redman was a DJ. Red, I know. Redman was a DJ. He's one of my favorite rappers you know anyway. Saying? Like yeah, so yeah. you know what I'm saying. Now all of a sudden, you know what I'm saying. Oh, MC Light is DJing. Oh, she must be broke, or she must be, you know, this, that, and the third. Uh-huh. No, she's she's a big part of the culture. Like, right. like my biggest one was Shaq. Everybody wants to get on Shaq DJing. You know what I'm <laughs> okay, so Shaq okay, so he, Yeah, so he made it. He made his fortune playing basketball. He is more hip hop than half these people out here that 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 are criticizing him. You know what I'm saying? Because he was DJing with real vinyl. You know what I'm saying? He has platinum mm-hmm. records. You know what I'm saying? Rhyming. He rhymed with Big and Rizza and all these cats. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You saw his big ass out there Blue on the basketball doing windmills. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yep, he, he was out there rapping with Fushnickens and all of them. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. if you're going to be, if you're going to say you're about the culture, then be about the culture. You know what I'm saying? Don't just pick and choose, you know, what, what's convenient but it's easy. to sit here and be mad about but it's easy to do that. It's easy to pick parts that I like that I want to gravitate towards or, or utilize and leave the rest behind. You know, it's, it's, it's easy yeah. to do that. You know, I mean, well, I don't want to know. We've all, we've all done it coming up. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I started out, as, I started out as a B-boy, you know what I'm saying? Breakdancing, you know, um, I, I found out that, you know, that wasn't for me, you know, I can't draw a straight line. So, you know, graffiti wasn't in the cards for me. <laughs> Right, you know, yeah, that, that's what I was gonna get. I was gonna get you to explain what a, what a graph writer was for most people who didn't know what that was. Yeah, but. you know, I, 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 you know, my my brother, you know, I used to go with him all the time. I used to carry his cans. We used to go mm-hmm. down to the subway station, and I used to watch him, you know, bomb trains and do all these big, nice murals and stuff. You know, that that wasn't me. But that's you know? that's the culture that that act, that's the that's the culture of of hip hop. That yeah. Go back and study, y'all. I'm sorry. You yeah. got two old. You got you got two old heads on on here talking about you know. <laughs> but but I yeah, mean, you know, I mean, even even so, even even the young kids out here, you know what I'm saying? 
the young kids, as much uh, all of it, as much as I don't like, you know, what I'm saying the mumble rap and the trap music and you know all, all this other stuff. The one thing that I will give to the youth is that their business acumen is mm. so much more on point than ours were. All right, mm-hmm. you know, you hear these old guys all the time. Well, you know, what I'm saying, oh, this this kid ain't gonna be around next year. But the thing that he's doing in this year is setting him up so he won't have to be. That's you know, right. They really, yeah, I'm gonna give him props for that. They really learn how to market themselves. Mm-hmm. They really learn how to get themselves out there. They know they're not afraid to use whatever budget they have. Mm-hmm. And you know what I'm saying? They really know how to make moves. Whereas you have guys that that's been around for 20, 30 years and you know are still working nine to five jobs. Not to not mm-hmm. anything wrong with that, but you know what I'm saying? I mean, these kids really have a grasp yeah. on the business side of the industry. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? The culture, not so much. You know what I'm saying? But, <laughs> well, I won't say all of them, but there's a there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people out there who, you know, the the young guys who are currently out here, they know how to take advantage of the opportunities that they're presented with, right? I mean, think of the last time you heard a little Yachty song. I don't know, maybe I don't listen to Lil Yachty, but I don't, and I don't listen to the radio, so sorry, but yeah. I don't remember the last time, but. Lil Yachty is crazy set up for the rest of his life. You know what I'm saying? Like, Lil Yachty doesn't actually have to do anything else. No. Anything and, else. And, nope. And, and a lot of it has to do with, you know, branding and promotion. That's I right. I tell people all the time, you know what I'm saying? You take the worst rapper out right now on the charts, and you take the best rapper who's out right now on the charts. And the biggest thing they have in common is they both have great promo because you know who both of them are. Right. Great promo. That's right. Great promo. So so I want to ask, I want to I want to kind of switch it up just a little bit. Well, kind of in the same vein. But one of the questions I want to ask you is, how did you get affiliated with Wu-Tang? I want to talk about that. OK. All right. So, you know, as far as me, uh, you know, taking the whole business of DJing seriously and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I started, you know, doing a lot of promo, getting myself out there, you know, DJing. Um, the way I really got on as far as DJing and, and being uh, public, so to speak, I was sitting up watching YouTube one day and there was this guy, he was doing a, a, a rant video, uh, you know, uh, stuff that pissed him off about, you know, DJing. And I was like, you know what? There's a few things that piss me off about DJing as well. So I started, you know, doing rant videos and they really, you know, got my foot in the door as far as Facebook and, and people actually, you know, listening to, to what I had to say because, you know, they're like, okay, he talks about it, but now can he really DJ? And when they found out that I could really DJ, and mind you, you know, this is 2011, 2012, um, I ran into some health problems, so I really wasn't DJing with turntables. I actually started getting into the more digital side of DJing, and that really started setting a lot of people off because the purists, you know, the, the whole vinyl purists, you know, you know, they're just getting used to Serato. So, you know, that whole thing. But <laughs> yeah, that that's a whole nother story. But what happened was I, I started doing, you know, radio slots here and there. And a friend of mine was like, hey, listen, you know, uh, my, 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 my sister, DJ Soyo, she was uh, affiliated with, uh, with, the, uh, with the Wu-Tang Worldwide DJ Coalition. She was like, listen, I like your stuff. You need to put an app in. And I was like, okay, you know, uh, 
whatever. But she was hounding me for like a month straight. You put your mm-hmm. app in, put your app in, put your app in. So I finally went and put my app in. And uh, the guy who was running the coalition at the time, Justice Hype, he uh, he hit me up. He was like, hey, listen, man, we, we like what you do. And, you know, we, we want to put you down. And I'll never forget that because I was actually inducted into the, Wu- the Wu-Tang DJ Coalition on May 7th, 2011, which May 7th is my birthday. Birthday. So that was that, that was a really That's cool dope. thing. That's dope. So, you know, uh, of course, being a part of the, the coalition, um, DJ, DJ Soyo had her own show on a Wu-Tang radio, and she was going through some, some issues, and she asked me to take over her show for a little bit. So, you know, I did a couple of spots on, on her show. I wound up getting my own mixed show on Wu-Tang radio, and it, it just snowballed dope. from there. You know, I, I got with my other brother, uh, DJ Flipside, and, you know, we did a mixtape and stuff. So when I got into producing, you know, when I left the DJing alone and got into producing, DJ Flipside was like, hey, listen, I need some beats for, you know, this compilation I got going on, you know, Wu-Tang Rocks the World. And I was like, yeah, sure, no problem. So I, uh, you know, slid him some beats. And just from there, everything snowballed. You know, I wound up talking to um, Hell Rizza. Who from he was from Sons of Man. He had his own movement, uh, GGO. I wound up getting with the GGO movement, and then you know talking to Dungeon Master from Dirty Klansmen. I became a Dirty Klansman, and then Buddha Monk with uh, Zoo Bullies. Wound up getting with Zoo Bullies, and then I wound up getting with a uh, Team OBEZ with Menace. And um, yeah, man, it's 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 been great because of these connections. You know, I wound up doing you know uh, the Wu Tang Rocks the World series. I'm on a couple of those Wu File series. Hmm. I, I contributed beats to those. Um, you know, I wound up doing some overseas stuff with uh with my GPO brother Cuban Pete. And um the biggest opportunity I've got from all of that, um, Flipside hits me up and he's like, Listen, I um Lin Q uh needs some beats. Now, for those of you who don't remember Lin Q, she was an artist, uh phenomenal MC. She used to be with X Clan. And then mm-hmm. when she split with X Clan, she moved on to uh, to become a solo MC. And she wanted she did have a Wu affiliation because uh, Wu came with, they had a female group called Deadly Venoms, and she joined Deadly Venoms for a while. But she got basically she got disillusioned with the whole music industry, and she wound up going to NYU film school. And she oh, wound, I know. You know, yeah, she she's making films now. So I got she. Uh, she wanted to do her thesis film, and Flipside hit me up and he's like, "Listen, uh, she needs some tracks." So you know, we uh, I reached out to her, and uh, we wound up doing I uh, wound up uh, doing three tracks for her thesis film called Cracked, which is right now in the uh, Tribeca Tribeca Film Festival, and I think it's a few more days for that. But yeah, so that that was really that's a really cool opportunity. Like I said, I'm so blessed to be able to do that. And, you know, just this whole Wu movement has been, you know, wonderful, you know, and I actually got to meet a few of the, uh, a few of the generals, you know, Capadonna, uh, Method Man, Red Man, you know, when they came out here to do shows and stuff. Um, mm. You know, it's interesting. It's interesting what you just said. You got a chance to meet a few of the generals of Wu, Capadonna, Method Man, Red Man. Mm. Yes. Red Man, because Red Man was never officially part of. Wu-Tang, but he pretty much is Wu-Tang anyway. Like he he's he's a Wu-Tang member, even if he's not like yeah, yeah, they're Wu-Tang member. Yeah, yeah, they they actually made him a member, especially oh, yeah. for his last album, uh oh, yeah. Better Tomorrow. 
So he, he's, he's on a oh, few yes. cuts. So, but yeah, so. And, and, and like I said, you know, yes. it's a wonderful opportunity. And for the younger heads, you know, for the younger cats, you know, it may not mean much, you know what I'm saying? You know, oh, Wu-Tang, uh, whatever. But, you know, for those in the know. Well, it means a lot to me. Yes. Because Wu-Tang. It's a wonderful opportunity to even be affiliated in this group. And I've met so many, so many good people, you know, uh, Fire Nation Flames, you know, like a mm. Dungeon Master, Buddha mm. Monk, Hellraiser. And Hellraiser has a very interesting story as well, because you know, he was sons of man, and he wound up having a brain aneurysm. And yeah, uh, his story is that right. It, um, it's called uh, Risen. The story, the Hellraiser story. It's on Amazon. Mm-hmm. You can pick, you pick it up. I mean, he literally had to learn how to walk again, how to talk mm-hmm. again, how to rhyme. You know what I'm saying? And you know, and being able to sit and talk with that brother was was real inspiring. Wow. And then I, you know, yeah, can't check that out. Uh, Cuban Peace, Smooth Math Beats, who's another phenomenal producer who's with us, you know, uh, Carnage, who's another, you know, so many phenomenal MCs, mm-hmm. DJs, producers who's all a part of this movement. And, you know, and this is worldwide, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, I've, I've met cats from like Wu Japan. <laughs> is this wow. Wu <laughs> Japan. It's, it's real crazy. And, and like I said, to be four years out in my producing career, you know, mm-hmm. you know, making beats and doing that and, and to be afforded, you know, these, these type of opportunities, it's a real, real blessing. Yeah, that's nice. That's and, nice. And, and for those purists out there, you know, I, I use producer and beat maker interchangeably. And, you know, uh, we're going to get into that because there is a difference between a beat maker and a producer, you know, for those who don't know. <laughs> you know, a producer, you know, the, the way the way I the way I word it is a beat maker makes beats and a producer makes songs. Mm. And this, there's a big difference with that. You know what I'm saying? As a beat maker, you know, I can sit here and make a beat and I'll send it out to somebody and they'll, you know, put the, you know, put a rapper on it and, you know, mix everything up. And, you know what I'm saying? I'm the beat maker for that. You know what I'm saying? A producer would sit there and they will... You know, sometimes they make the beat, sometimes they don't. But, you know, they'll get the beat. They'll coach the vocalist or, or the rapper. Hey, you need to do this. You need to do that. They'll call in the engineers. If they have to, you know, call in, you know, somebody to play the keyboards or a bassist, they do that. You know what I'm saying? They basically quarterback the whole project from beginning to end. You know what I'm saying? And that's a producer, you know. So, you know, right. primarily I look at myself as a beat maker first. But being that I do my own project as far as, you know, uh, instrumental albums and stuff like that, you know what I'm saying? That's when I get into producer mode because I make the beats, I sequence the albums, mm-hmm. you know, I do the promo, I do the artwork, I send it out to distro, you know what I'm saying? And that's me with my producer hat on. So, right. you know, so I, I use it interchangeably, but, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> those who don't know, there is a difference. So I don't want I don't want all the peers to get mad and be like, oh, he's not a producer, Look, he's a beat maker. I, I you're a little. beat maker. There's a, there's a huge difference between our two. Right. Yeah. I mean, we get it. We Yeah, we get it. This, I mean, there really is a difference, though. I'm just saying. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you know, so 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 that's awesome, man, that you got a chance to, to – uh, to be inducted into that type of uh, coalition and to be part of that type of type of family. You know, it's interesting. There's some other things that you've done as well. So I want to talk about your motivation for the books that you've written. Right. So you have some, you have yeah. some, some pieces so, of, of, of literature out there. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So the first book that I did was, um, 
just basically it's, it's something that I just put together real haphazardly. I just basically took a bunch of my rants from Facebook and just did an ebook and just put it on Amazon. And it, you know, it, it did okay, you know? Um, but then as I started learning more about the business side of the music industry, I just started, you know, putting some of my experiences down and, you know, just started putting stuff out there and, you know, um, they're not really long reads. They're not like, you know, they're not, you know, Shakespearean type, you know, stuff, but it's a lot of good common sense knowledge. Like my, my latest one, uh, the business of beats, a common sense guide to beat making. And it's basically just that a common sense guide, you know, what to do, you know, you know, if, if you're going to sell beats, you know, saying set up your website, get, you know, all your business in order, you know, learn how to do your promo, learn how to register your music, learn how to clear your samples and just things like that. And, you know, I was I was blessed because, you know, uh, the three books that I did on the on the, on the music industry wound up being, you know, Amazon bestsellers. Which, you know, if you really look at it, it's not a big thing because, you know, you can put out a coloring book and be an Amazon bestseller. You, know <laughs> you put out a saying? coloring it's, book. No, I mean, seriously, it's, it's all how you categorize it. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. it's a, whole big, a whole big web. But, you know, but you know, I, was, I was blessed that people actually, you know, wanted to hear what I had to say and actually took heed to it. And. You know, it's the same thing with the, with the public speaking. I got, you know, I was blessed to be able to do a couple of seminars and, mm-hmm. you know, um, which was really hard during uh, COVID. But uh, my boy, Bill Novoa, he wound up doing some, uh, he wound up doing some virtual music conferences that I got to speak at. And that was right. a really cool thing. You know what I'm saying? That was a really cool thing. To right. Do. So. So, yeah. So, so shameless. So shameless plug. We have one coming up. This is my little commercial. Seamus Plug, we have one coming up here on June 24th. It is called Achieving Success as an Independent Music Artist. Right? So tune in, man. We got some great panelists. We got, we got James Worthy, who is a three-time Grammy Award-winning, uh, Grammy-nominated. James, you're going to win some awards, so, but he's Grammy-nominated, yeah. producer, singer-songwriter. Uh, we got Jasmine Ortiz, who is an amazing... She's killing it. Like, right now, trust me, she is out there. She, she just turned 21 a day. And happy nice. birthday. Happy birthday. And she is killing, when I say she's killing the game, she dropped her uh, her single Jaguar and within two days got two million views. Like, nice. how you do that? How you do that? And then we got my man, Matt B, who's from Chicago, international singer-songwriter. And he's just an amazing all-around guy. They're going to come drop some gems June 24th, 6 nice. p.m. to 7.30 p.m. Register. Yeah. In the link in the bio, right? All right, sorry about that. But, nice. Yeah. Oh no, do your thing. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, and you know, but that, but that's we need that type of stuff. We need people who are really in the 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 I'll I'll say the battlefield, writing literature that speaks to their experiences that other people can use, right? I mean, yeah. we need people like that. We don't need somebody sitting in an office somewhere going, mm, you know. Here's how you be successful. It's like they've never done it. Like, well, wait a minute. Yeah. And it, it's it's yeah. a funny thing because a lot of these, you know, it's a lot of younger folks, you know, I hate to harp on it again, but a lot of people in general jump into the music business without really knowing what the music mm-hmm. business is about, you know, and this is one right. of the few areas where I've actually seen people do that. 
and it baffles me because I mean, it's common sense stuff. If somebody gives you a spoonful of something that says, "Here, try this," you're going to ask questions. What is this? Right. What is you know this? What are you trying to get us to me? You don't right. jump straight into a pool without testing it out first. But a lot of these guys, they just jump straight into the music industry without really knowing what's going on. And mm. this is when you see ten, five, ten years later, these guys are suing a label because they signed a bad deal. Mm -hmm. They're not getting all the royalties or. You know, as a beat maker, uh, they get to because they didn't uh, clear the sample, or you know, they're not getting mm -hmm. the royalties from the rappers or anything like that. So, you know, uh, you always have to know the business, and I always try to That's impart right. that on people. You That's know, right. so there's so, a lot of oh, right. No, 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 no. You good? So, so let me ask. Speaking in that same vein, what advice would you give them? What advice would you give music producers, artists who want to get into this industry? Yeah, I'll say your top three. What would you tell them? Um, the biggest thing is learn the business. There are so many outlets out there. YouTube, you know, sign up for a course. You know what I'm saying? Do whatever. Go to go to music conferences. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's virtual or in person, gain the knowledge you need to gain for people before you even put out a project. Learn how to put it out. You know what I'm saying? Because once you learn these things navigating the road in this business will be a lot easier. You know, there's things that I've done, you know, oh, second big point, own everything. All right. And when I say own, I mean legally, because in this business, just because you made it doesn't mean you own it. You have to own everything on paper, learn about your copyrights and your trademarks, learn about your publishing, you know what I'm saying? Learn about branding, you know what I'm saying? Everything goes together. All right, like the biggest example that I that I that I can you know throw out there is Tina Turner. If you ever watched the movie with Love Got to Do with It, the divorce scene, she gave up everything to keep her name because she knew the power of her name. If she owned that name, then she would be successful. Because if Ike would have taken the Tina Turner name, he could have licensed it, he could have capitalized off of everything Tina did afterwards. Sure, could have. You know what I'm saying? So that's why, you know. Even if it's your your given government name, trademark it, get a logo, trademark it logo. You know what I'm saying? These are things that's going to help with your branding, help with your ownership. You know, um, because, you know, 99% of the people who got screwed in this industry is because they didn't own and control the content. Mm. And it's easier you know? for, it is so easier for music creators today to own their content. So much yeah, easier. It, it is. You just got. You just got to know how to do it. Yeah. And the third big thing is, and I'm gonna get real close so everybody can understand this. <laughs> it is called the music business for a reason. Everything in this business will cost you some money. You cannot free yourself into a career. <laughs> Have a budget for everything because everything will need a budget. Spending money is not a bad thing. A lot of people uh, under the assumption that if you go out and pay for promo, that it's a bad thing. No, it's not. This is what big labels and big artists do. You ask any big artist out there how much they spent, how much they invested into their own careers, it goes into the thousands and the millions. And being that this is a business, you know, 
if you're lucky and you blow up, you may see the money that you're going to get. You may see back the money that you put in. A lot of times, all the money that you put in, you will not see back. But that's the chance you take. These labels are taking a chance. All right. When you see somebody who gets signed for a million dollars, they don't get a million dollars. All right. Number one, that advance is a loan. They have to pay that back. All right. And everything that they do comes out of that advance. So, you know, videos, promotion, you know, you use that money to record the album. Once your album or project comes out. All right. Okay. My album's out. You know, I can see money. No, you have to pay that money back. Yes. Learn the word recoup. You do not see a dime until the label gets their money back. Then once the label gets their money back, you will start seeing some money. All right. Now, back in the days, it was a little differently. I mean, artists still got robbed, but the artists can still eat off <laughs> the tour. You know, they had different ways of eating. They eat mm-hmm. off of the tour, they eat off of merch and stuff like that. Now, since record, physical records aren't selling a lot anymore, it's all streams and stuff like that. This is where the 360 deal comes in. Mm-hmm. And if you know how to negotiate, the 360 deal is not really a bad deal. The only thing yeah. is, is that if the record company is giving out all this money, you're not selling records anymore. So they have to find a way to get that money back. So they get it back off of your tours, they get it back off of your merch, they get it back off of your streaming. All right. So they're still getting the money back. Is this, mm-hmm. they're now taking more of what you're doing because more of what you're doing is what's going to get their money back. Right. Okay? And it's the same thing if you're an independent artist. Okay, I'm an independent. I don't need a label. Well, now the difference is instead of a label giving all you giving you all the money, now you have to pay it all out of your pocket. Now the advantage to that is is that you see more of a return. All right, because you don't have to pay a label back. You're paying yourself back. All right. The detriment is you have to come up with all the money. <laughs> so you know, it's, yeah, it's that's... give and take. Yeah, that's oh goodness. And some some people, you know, some people aren't built to be independent artists yet. You know what I'm saying? Not yet. Sometimes you may need a label to do the heavy lifting for you to do the marketing and the promotion and stuff like yep. that. And that's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And everybody, you know, everybody's first deal is a bad deal on a label. It's just how it is. You, know, you <laughs> see somebody on their first deal who number one is actually making money, and number two who actually gets a good deal. All right. right. It is what it is. All right. You mm-hmm. have to, you have to, all right. And also learn the word leverage. All right. Learn what leverage is. Because once you build your leverage, you have more to negotiate with. All right. This is why you see a lot of these independent rappers who, who are not on a label, but you get these major deals because you can mm-hmm. build yourself up on social media. You can have $50 million on social media. Guess what? Those 50 million followers, that's leverage. All right. The label, the labels of whoever's giving you the money are tapping into your fan base. That's where you're getting the money from because they know they can make money off of your fan base. Mm-hmm. So if you build that up, okay, this is your leverage. So now you can walk into an office and say, hey, listen, all right, you want to give me a million dollars and that's fine, but I have these 50 million followers. So I want $3 million and you're going to give it to me because you want access to the $3 million. To, to these 50 million fans and nine times out of 10 you're going to get it the more you build yourself up the more you have to negotiate with all right everybody's always saying you know get what you're worth get what you're worth build your worth 
And then once you build your worth, then you have to learn it's not always what you're worth, it's what you can negotiate. And that's a whole nother story. But, <laughs> you know, and this is all stuff I learned the hard way, you know, saying from DJing and, you know, getting into producing. I learned all this stuff the hard way. But once I learned, you know, it's, it's a little bit easier, you know. Right. And even outside of the music, you know what I'm saying? I always tell, you know, younger artists, learn a marketable skill outside of the music. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times, you know, you know, a rapper, if, if you see a lot of these artists, they're branching out into other things. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times you go to a music video and everybody is making more on the video set than the artist is. You know, the production assistants, the cameramen, the caterers, the publicists, the, the runners, the grips. You know what I'm saying? Always learn something outside of the music business, even if you can use it in the music business. That's you right. know, like I, I learned about, you know, marketing and, and, and social media management, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, so that way, you know, OK, so I'm not selling a lot of beef. OK, well, now I can go and run other artists uh, 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 social media account. I can run the I can run the ad campaigns, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I can also use it on myself. I run my own ad campaigns. I do my own promo. You know, mm -hmm. you know, anything that you can do to better yourself and learn more, you know, do it because you can only yeah. apply it. Yeah, you, yeah. I mean, in, in this day and age, you're gonna you're gonna have to. Like, I went out and I learned about well, what I do now, right? I mean, because I produce too, and so trust me, I'll I'll make some stuff, but. I know there's other cats out there that'll probably, you know, yeah. So I was like, mm, what's the marketable skill I can I can learn, right? Because I spent years in corporate America, and so I said, okay, I need to tie, figure out how to tie what I do in corporate America to music and put them things together. Mm -hmm. And so, which is kind of the birth of we create music TV. And I had to go learn yeah. about cameras and live streaming and light setups and. Mm -hmm. you know a whole bunch of stuff so now i got a whole skill set that lives outside of music so now i can go to other music creators and go oh you're trying to do live streaming for your con cool not only can i make beats for you but i can do handle all your live streaming exactly. light setups and all that stuff for you so let's yeah exactly let me get that extra let me get that extra bread <laughs> yeah i mean if, if, even as producers all right you see all these producers out here doing all types of stuff within producing all right learn how to engineer mix and master your own music you know yep. uh you know, sound, you know, sound design is such an in-demand thing right it now. It is. Learn how to make sound kits. Learn how to, you know, score uh, movies and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's Look, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to skills that you can use out there. I'm going to say something on what you just said, because I got a video that's coming out that's going to talk about it. It's called the five things that I hate about um, sample packs. You a sound designer, you making, I'm got his pen. You making sample packs? Uh, watch that video first, so I can tell you why I I hate sample <laughs> packs because there's some stuff in there that a lot of sample makers do, and I'm like, really, why, 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 why do you do that? Like, lack of organization. You know? But we ain't gonna go into all of that. But yeah, man, and and you know what? I'm it's the same thing with me too because you know, uh, being that I live in a small apartment right now, I can't really dig like I like to, so I use a lot of mm. sample packs. I go through a lot of stuff, and. You know, the big thing about sample packs is they're okay to use. Don't let anybody tell you don't use a sample pack for this, that, and the thing. Right. But know what you're doing and know, know what you're using. You know what I'm saying? That's right. If, if, if the designer does not put notes in there about where the sample came from, all right, 
you can get into a lot of trouble. Oh, boy. Clearing the samples. All right. And that's another big thing. You know what I'm saying? Take, look, I'm going to tell no, wait, I'll, I'll, I'll let you say what you were going to say now, and I'll, and I'll, oh, no. I'll try to remember. No. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write it down. Yeah. The, the whole thing about producers and, and beat makers and stuff like that, to use samples, learn about publishing and learn about clearing samples because you got cats out there making these big songs and they're getting sued. And, you know, and it also ties into the business. If you're going to start selling music and selling beats, all right, get a business license. Open a company, start a label, do your publishing. All right. So that way, if you do mess around and get sued, they won't come after your heart. They won't come after your house and car. They will come after the company's assets. And that's a whole nother story. But <laughs> learn how to clear samples. All right. That's right. They, they, have a, they have a wonderful site out there called Tracklib. All right. Mm -hmm. it's, not, it's, it's not a huge site, but you can actually go on this site. All right. It, it, they have a monthly plan. You get a certain amount of downloads a month. Mm -hmm. All right. You can actually sample a track. You can clear the sample on the site. You just have to give up a small, you know, they have, three, they have I think it's three different categories. I think it's like three different categories. Yeah. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Anywhere from $50 to $5,000. You can actually clear a sample for $50, use it. You know what I'm saying? The publishing is all taken care of, and it's yep. a great way to go. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I had a chance. But, I had a chance to meet the owners of TrackLib. They came down to my homie's uh, Willpower Studio down here in yeah. Atlanta to uh, to talk about you know what TrackLib what TrackLib is and what they what they do. Yeah. Okay, I'll, but here, here I've used tried a, quite a few tracks for them. But back, back oh, yeah. to the original stuff. I know I went on a rant. Learn the business. You know what I'm saying. Learn about your marketing. Learn how to use your budget and just you know use common sense. That's right. And you know you, you'll be fine. That's right. That's right. So, so here's what I, I appreciate that advice that that you gave out because you know, like I said, you you've been you on the forefront. You you're still in the battlefield, and so you're giving that great advice to people who want to get into this industry. And these are things that they need to to hear so that they themselves don't maybe have to go through the hardships. Kind of like parents, right? We tell our yeah. kids these types of things so that they don't have to go through the same hardships that we went through. But sometimes you know, kids can be knuckleheads. But um. <clears throat> <laughs> we know how it was when I was growing yeah, up. Yeah, we, we, too. It's the same way. Yep, I was a knucklehead too growing up. No, but what I was going to say in in regards to sample packs, I use sample packs. Your favorite producer, trust me, is using sample packs. I've talked to many of them, and they use sample mm -hmm. packs. The hits that you hear on the radio, sample packs. But here's what I would say: if you use a sample pack, Shazam it. Just Shazam yeah. it and see who else is using that sample pack or that sample from that sample pack. And Shazam will tell you, and it'll bring up the artist. You can go to the, listen to the yeah. actual song, see what they used. I Shazam stuff all the time. Like, did yeah. somebody use or this? Or either go they to, uh, or if, if you, if, if, even if you have an idea, there's a site called who sampled. Oh yeah. Who sampled there? Yes. Yeah. Who sampled is perfect. That's how I always go find out who made stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> So, man, DJ Iceman, man, we've been talking for a while, brother, and it has been great. Like I said, it's free-flowing conversation, brother. It's been great getting to know you, getting to know what you've done, and just spending time with you here on, uh, on We Create Music TV. Uh, so, so before we close out, let me make sure we give out your social media where people can find you, find your music, things like that. So, Okay. Um, it's uh, DJ Iceman, Big, Bag, Big, Big Boss Beats on Facebook. DJ underscore Iceman underscore 73 on Instagram. Uh, you can go to my website, www.bigbossbeats with a Z.com. Um, oh, Lord. 
<laughs> uh, um, DJ Iceman official on YouTube. Okay. Those, those, those are the main ones. <laughs> Perfect. And if you didn't catch it all, it's in the description. So you can just go to the description on the video and you can click the links right there under his, mm -hmm. under his social uh, as well. And, um, and B Vaughn, I want to thank you number one for even having a platform like this. For oh, man, I appreciate you. And, and, and independent people to come and, you know, get this type of knowledge because I mean, I mentioned it before. There's a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity to get this knowledge, but not a lot of outlets. And what mm. you're doing is, is so vital to the independent artist community. And I want to thank you. And once again, I'm blessed for being here. Thank you for having me on here. Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate you. I Man, I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for your words as well. Mm. So stick around for just a moment while I close this out. All right. Okay. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, man. DJ Iceman, I'm telling you, like, I love his story. I just love the things that he was involved in, kind of reminded me of some of my background and many, the many, 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 many jobs that I worked myself uh, in this whole journey that we call life. But make sure you go support him, check out his social media, uh, check out the things that he is doing as well. It was a privilege to getting to know him and having him on the show uh, as well. But as always, ladies and gentlemen, you can catch us every Monday, every Thursday at 7 p.m. for our live interview segments. Uh, you can catch us throughout the week for when we drop videos, right? We just dropped one today. Like I just told you, I got a bunch of boxes that came in. And so I talked about what's all in these, all in these boxes. Make sure you go check out that video. And also make sure you go uh, register for the Achieving Success as an Independent Artist panel three amazing people who are going to be coming in. They're going to give you the gems. Trust, they're going to give you the gems because they're doing all this without a, a record label. Matt B, Matt B just went number three on the R&B charts on iTunes. He just got his top 40 plaque like last week. So come learn these gems. They are freely, freely. It's free. It's free. And they're giving it out to you for free. They're giving up their time, energy, and efforts and, and knowledge for free. 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. June 24th. Register. You can go to our website, wecreatemusic.tv. You can go to the link in our bio on our Instagram profile. Click the link, register. If Once again, it's free. But thank you very much for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe to our channel. Make sure to hit that notification bell. Make sure to hit that like, right? Give us a thumbs up. And if you want to give us a thumbs down, just hit it twice. Greatly appreciate your, your time. And... Ladies and gentlemen, we'll catch you on our next interview segment and we'll see you in another video as well. Peace.